Hey, and welcome to another round of the Rugby Report Co. Uh, with me this week is uh, two very downcast gentlemen. Uh, one goes by the name of Jimbo Jones. How are you, mate? G'day, mate. Really well. How are you? That's a fantastic uh, accent, mate. I love the fact you're celebrating your British or English English roots, mate. Well done. And uh, Blake, Blake, how are you? Mate, I'm fine. Happy, proud to be sitting on here with two English boys. I'll eat my humble pie when it's time to eat it. I believe we started two weeks ago with Jim yelling in your face, eat a bag of dick, Richard. Mm. Um, eat a bag of dicks. So... I turn to take the medicine, you know. Legitimately, great contest we saw. Um, better team on the day one, no doubt. I think you'll agree, right? I assume you're right into the officiating through the three tests. It's finally, it's, it's good to see they got it right, isn't it? They got it right, which they would do. You stick it anything long enough, you get it right. I don't know. If you stick it your accent long enough, I still don't think you'll get it right, Jim. Don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> I can't do this any longer. You're just sounding like that. What a twat. Well, to be uh, fair, you, you've called someone a twat. I've been called a pommy prick. I've been called a C word today. I've been called a few things just, just for being uh, a pommy. So, you know. The C? Culture. Someone called you culture. Outrageous. Yeah, yeah let, let's go with that. That That's what I was called today. Cult, yeah. Someone who uh, builds culture. Uh, let's actually cut to the chase. Uh, do you want to look at it as, because we obviously we had the fantastic interview with Jim Hamilton last week, really enjoyed that, but we didn't really recap. So do you want to look at the three games as a whole, or do you want to um, just look at the game that, that just was? We'll start with it. Yeah, There's no need to get into the nitty gritty. I reckon we sort of push and project to the future. Maybe go back to the first one for a bit. <laughs> we could do the first one. Flip, you've been flip-flopping here, Jim. Been flip-flopping. I'm not opposed to the first one. No, no, let's, let's talk about the most recent game. Um... Oh, I'll start, boys. I, I guess just um, oh, fair, fair and square, that game. I, I think at the end of it, and, and there'll be, you know, I'm in a flip-flop between rage, anger, sadness, and sort of pragmatism. I think at the end of the day. So a regular week then. Precisely. Two incredibly evenly matched sides. Um, I think, you know, uh, the last five games, 10 points separates the two teams or something I saw today. Um, if you look at this series, almost no points separates the teams. I think yeah, what hurts was. is we're up on possession. We're up on territory. Um, Australia was was the better team who didn't execute. Um, one overthrown line out, England execute. You lose the game of rugby. Um, and, 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 and it's enough to just... Um, deflate you as an Aussie fan. Why can't we execute? Why can't we turn possession and territory into try-scoring opportunities? Why can't we catch those final passes? Why can't we take those shots at goal? Um, why can England take those shots at goal and slot them? Why can England jump on those those bouncy balls? Um, it's that disheartening thing as a Wallaby fan. Um, the pragmatist in me is, well, there's not much in it. Both teams were, you know, fairly depleted and it was a, it was a dog fight of physicality and, and we can break down different parts of the game. But the, the the pessimist, the broken Wallaby supporter is, you know, how do we keep losing these ones? Um, yeah, and, and I'm willing to, to throw my hypothesis out there on, on different things, things that would have changed it. Uh, but I've got to throw my hands up and say, well done, England. Um, they were the dog in this fight. Um, and they, they just hung in there and, and took the scraps um, and kicked every goal available and bounced on every ball available and and and, and bashed the tight five around when it when it when it needed to be done and got the job done. So I guess they're my feelings. Um, but overall the whole thing is stained with 
um, deja vu and the lack of execution, the lack of organisation, the lack of transferring territory into three points, the lack of transferring possession into five points, feels like deja fucking vu. Uh, what do you boys reckon? Richard, you want to interject? Give us your British version. Uh, well, first of all, uh, just in terms of possession and territory, it, actually England had greater amount of possession and, and territory for uh, for most parts, actually. Um, so that was that's incorrect. But I would Statsman. say, yeah. So Dan, according to Rugby League, first Rugby Live, sorry, should I say, first half possession, second half possession, and first half territory all went England's way. Um, so Australia only yeah. only. Um, but I think the the big difference is. And this is we've been saying this for years. Australia were looked a lot more threatening in the back line uh, when they got. I don't know how you can say that, man. They looked clueless. I, I, I can in in some games, but what they did wrong in this game is they they decided they wanted to be England and they didn't. They couldn't counteract the rush defence. So instead of the chip over the top, the grubber in behind. Um, something a little bit different. They tried to go out the back, which is very much like England did in the first game to try and counteract the rush defence. Um, and then when, and to go to Black's point, when they did break that line, it was just poor execution. One last little final pass. And you know what it is. Sport's about those inches. And it's it's as much in your head as what it is any time. And when you lose consistently, you know, to one team, and I'm, I don't actually think England are any better than Australia, it's mentally, you know, you just got to get over that line. And once you get over that line in a series win, I think you'll be you'll be absolutely fine. Because I don't think... I, I think my, my rant's coming from... Um, in both games we lost, we we outscored England. How do you lose? Like that's the frustration. How do you outscore England? Was it two tries to one? Wasn't it? It was twenty five seventeen. Is the final score? That's the final score, mate. In terms of tries, Richard, yeah, the, score, uh, so the two games we lost, we scored more meat pies, and it feels like how how and we'll come to this. I know there's lots of talk. I was talking on another podcast. Is Hooper too optimistic? Um, if we if we point to the sticks more often, are we not in these positions? Um, and I guess we can we can come to that. That's the frustration, right? We two tries to one, and England's was a bouncing ball. How do we keep losing these fucking games? It's not about um, that at all. And, and there's it's more. A, there's many more old school stats. But an old no, school stats. But I'm saying, as an Australian fan, that's how it feels. Like we're playing all this rugby, and we still keep losing. Um, it's it's coming from a point of frustration, I guess. Seventeen points. Seventeen points isn't winning you any game of rugby. So to think or, or sit there with the delusion that we are a good attacking team is is just setting no. yourself up for disappointment there's, each week. And, and Richard saying that the Aussie back line is good. I don't even know where that's coming from. He's sitting there watching the sport, thinking shit. They can score at any point, and I just don't think we've shown that over the three tests. The first no. test we scored a couple <laughs> of good opportunistic tries. I'll give you that. But outside of that, particularly in the test, and we just saw it was really, really bland, easy to pick off. And I think what sort of lamented that even more was watching the the Irish test and watching how structured, and we all saw this, how structured their attack was, how intentional and strategic it all was, and there wasn't a foot out of place when it mattered, which is how they manage to get going. Yeah. You can't hand keep them. And, I, and I would just, no, God, I just interject to that point just to clarify. And I know we're talking over each other. I apologize. But I just think when we, yeah, I, just when we talk about like the, the back line being better, I just want to clarify my point. At the moment, to build on what you're saying, they're all being too individualized. Okay. And it goes into structures. But if you look at every one of those Australian players in that back line, bar Lalasia, who didn't have a great series, you take Owen Farrell. 
pretty much, and Freddie Stewart, you'd pick every one of the other Australian players because on their day, and that's when is that day going to occur, they have the opportunity to break open a team with an uh, amazing piece of footwork or Corabete gets over the, the game. They look far more threatening than what an English backline does at the moment. And England are way more structured and they kick possession away and they play territory, which is smart. And I like that because that's what you want to be, you want to win in that moment. But the Australian backline, you have to say, is way more threatening, uh, looks way more dynamic. Can, can I jump off there. I guess three things from what you boys have said that I would pull out. One, we were watching that Island game together, Jim, over a beer, and and that was the conversation we were having. They looked deliberate. So the ball would come off the set piece. They would go that way. They would know the call. They would turn it back around. They'd take it to that way. Every play, they looked like they knew what they were doing. Um, and there's an awesome continuity in that team. And Johnny Sexton is a 1,000 years old and is an absolute class actor, marshals the troops. Um, and I think that that's to your point. The Wallabies look panicked and like they don't know what to do unless it's off first phase. Um, and England was able to disrupt the first phase most of the time. So we never looked like we knew what we were doing. We looked, yeah. It looked chaotic, it looked messy, and it looked like individuals operating. So I think therein lies the deficiency um, of our organisation and our backline. And it was Checker-esque, right? That threw me back to those days where it was just sort of pass and hope and hope the athlete does it. So to my second point, um, I think Eddie Jones said it in, in the post-game, and I'd love to talk about Eddie a lot this week. He's done some interesting things. Uh, but he said it in the post-game. He, he, he basically said it, and I'm paraphrasing here, but um, Australia's athletes are incredible. Um, and I think he's spot on. And I think that's to Richard's point. Athletically, Paisami's a beast, mate. Simo Gravy, he's a great footy player too, but beast, all of them, but none of them are playing like Ireland. And if you look at Ireland in their systems, I'm not kidding. You've got three or four super rugby rejects in that back line, but they beat the best team in the world at home because they're playing like a team. Uh, and I think Eddie Jones was having a stab um, that, you know, Australia's got a lot of fucking talent and they don't know how to use it. Uh, and I think that was to your point, Richard. Um, but then my third point, and this is where you talk two boys, <laughs> Richard will fall off his chair. Uh, I genuinely believe Quade Cooper is fit for all three tests. We win all three tests. I know a lot got done up front, but I think they were close enough that if our back line was organised and we could manage the game, um, it's it's a very different series. And I don't think Noah was ever incompetent. I think his third game was his worst. I think we should be proud of the kids stepping up how he did. I was um, saying this last year. But but it was, it's almost deja vu for, for Noah. He, he's just no, he's not there. He's not an international fly half. Um, and I don't know if Marcus Smith is either based on this series, but Owen Farrell is. And he was able to, to control the game a little bit. And I think Nick White overcompensates when he plays with Noah. Um, and we play out of nine a little bit too much. Um, and we didn't have the physicality to play out of nine, uh, which is certainly another issue. We can get to the forwards in a moment. But I guess they would be my, my three thoughts in the back line. We were athletes playing as individuals. We lacked a general at 10, um, and the team seems to lack systems. Uh, but lots of that systems comes off the platforms your forward set, right? Um, so that's obviously part of it. So I guess they would be my takeaways there. Maybe the Quake calls a bit contentious. Um, and it, things are easy to say in hindsight, right? But I, I guess I would have loved O'Connor playing 10 in that final test. Um, 
should we get into some individual players or should we talk again sort of more generally? Um, I thought England had a game plan. The game plan was to, to rough up Nick White um, as the, the general of the Australian team. They did that very, very well. And the game plan was to bash the tight five, and they did. Um, they were very physical in, in contact, and they did a really, really good job of that. Um, and then the other game plan was high balls. How many times do you see Australia high ball goes up, Australia drops it, scrum, lose a penalty, all right, you've three points conceded. High ball goes up, someone drops it, another high ball goes up, you're in the 22 fighting for your life now. Um, our inability to defuse those high balls um, or even if we do defuse them to meaningfully kick out of out of trouble, um, I felt like just buried us with pressure. Um, and that's what Jim Hamilton said last week, and 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 he was an oracle. That's what happened. Uh, we struggled. I, I didn't think Reese Hodge was up to it at all. He looked like Forrest Gump running around the back there. Um, yeah, I don't know. What do you boys think? Yeah, I just think um, uh, it, it looks at a bigger bigger question about the about the type five. Um, is one question, but I also still think the makeup of the of the back row. Um, six seems to be a real issue at the moment for Australia at the moment, um, as well as 10 and 15. And I'm not sure that quite makeup is right there. So I know we have to play to what the referee um you know, expectations are, but the days of having one jackler seems to, you know, gone away. Uh, and I'm not sure Australia know what their six is um, and who is the best player, whether it's Sarah Uru, whether it's Harry Wilson, who's definitely didn't play very well. Um, so I think there's um, there's an issue there. Um, but I also think there's a, there's an issue not only with Resarge, but that whole back three. And that, that was obviously some of that was part down to injuries as well. Um but I definitely think if you have a more settled back three, then your kicking game, kick to the quarter, might be more effective because of it, really. Uh, but I do want to apologise. So I just looked at the stats, Blake, and you were right. I looked at the wrong week. So you were right for, for possession, actually. So I apologise. That's all right, mate. Um, it does. We may have lost the test, but I got Richard on stats. Um, <laughs> so, so I'll take it. Yeah, but look, the, the back three of the back line, of me, and I guess my athleticism point is, right, and I guess this is what I mean. Ireland have got Mac Hansen, who now looks just about one of the best wingers in the world. He really looks fucking great. He's playing as the second playmaker. He's throwing passes to score tries against the All Blacks. Like a mediocre Super Rugby player two years ago. The Porter or whatever for England at 13, he's a Sydney Uni first grader. And don't get me wrong, he didn't look brilliant on the weekend or anything, but it seems like... Um, for all of our firepower, if you can't load the gun, it's useless. Which comes you know back to I mean? your point, like, which which goes against your point about the fact that Quaid wouldn't have made any difference if you didn't. If you un- no, unable no, but to I think it, he loads if you the gun. Unable, I think if, I think the tight five is part of it, but I think your general is too. Um, and I think they're they're sort of two parts of of, of loading those guys. Now those guys like Corabetti and Wright, who are just have lightning feet, are stars anyway because they just do things of individual brilliance. Um, so they end up having really, really good games, but it's not off the back of anything except for that one champagne try. Um, and then Karevi gets over the ad line, but it's not off the back of anything sort of too substantial. Um, so, look, Hodge, he was on a hiding to nothing. The bloke wasn't in the squad. Um, it's a pretty tough assignment, and it looked like Rennie really changed the tactics to we're going to kick from that third channel. Um, that'll surprise England. Um, so we kept trying to do the second man play, get it to Hodges' boot and kick it. 
Um, we just did it very, very poorly. And it kicked away a lot of useful ball in the first half, and then we were chasing the game in the second half. It looked like a terrible game plan that t- put too much pressure on Reese Hodge. So I hate to be too harsh on the bloke, because you're on a hiding to nothing coming back in, but he's not the answer at 15, right? Most of us wouldn't. We wouldn't pick him at the Rebels. He wouldn't don a jersey again. He was not up for this, and it was a mistake picking him. It was probably a better option to go right again. Who was great on the wing? I think you've you've nailed the the, the you've nailed the nail. You've hit the hammer on the head. what? How's that one go? You've hit the hammer on the you've hit the hammer on its head. We're getting somewhere. You've yeah. done all right. I think the only thing that I would add to it is when it comes to a test match as close as this, um, and you mentioned those names like Corabetti and Tom Wright and even Lolasio, so to speak, <laughs> and you could throw a bunch of them in there. It's not necessarily all about who's got a freakish play in them, who does something right or who does something excellent. You know, it's the players and the teams that have the players that don't actually fuck anything up, don't exactly. do something any wrong. Exactly. They can sustain that pressure because Tom Wright, Corabetti, he was the dude dropping the high ball. He was the dude, Tom Wright, when he tried to keep the ball in play, but he ended up making an absolute meat pie out of it. Like, horrific. Um, and same with Lolasia. Like, it just creeps in, and their ability to play through pressure or absorb and sustain and, and turn and, and really minimise damage is probably where we shot ourselves in the foot. Um, I don't know, uh, this, I'm not across the stats, but if the possession was in Australia's way, it didn't feel like territory was in that first half particularly. Um, but, yeah, just a gar- there is a guaranteed game-changing error from all of those freakish plays we have in the back line. And, it's, and it goes for the forwards too, that, that line-out that's not straight, that scrum penalty. I'm not going to pretend that I fully understand it, but that scrum penalty that we, we, we give away. Um, like there's I, there's I just too many your, of that to spread out across. Your error point, Jim, I've seen it hypothesised um, by other rugby pundits that it's just a lack of knockout footy. Um, they're not exposed to it, Australian players, um, is one of the reasons that we just shit the bed because our players aren't in the finals. Um, we're not in series where there's a final. Sold out first, stadiums. First past. The post, let us say, first past the post rugby championship, super rugby. We're nowhere near it. Um, it's been none of these players have played knockout rugby since they're in the under 20s. Um, so they just those errors do creep in, those psychological errors. I don't know how much truth there is to that because um, once you do that, right, forget turning over the momentum and pressure of the turning of the game, you then put a ton of pressure on yourself. You're playing two battles, exactly. Or is it merely a continuity issue? You have 10 injuries in a series. Um, you lose your fly half a minute before kickoff of the first one. They just can't get it together. I can't cop that. You're on 400K. You're a professional rugby player. Catch the fucking ball. We won um, the first game. We won the first but, game but, with eight knockouts. I guess we're looking for for reasons to explain the drop balls um, and the, the drop balls at the line. But to move into the forward pack a little bit, um, I guess my, my thoughts there is line out was excellent. Um, probably, I think, you're the stats man, Richard, but I think maybe even Australia even pipped it, uh, at least on parity. But, you know, we lost the one that led to a try, um, which was which was disappointing. Our mall, given what the Brumbies were dishing out, wasn't up to it. Our mall defence wasn't up to it. I think we lose Swain a little bit there. Um, so I think, you know, line out good, mall not good. Um, scrum, I would say, was, was, was fairly even. 
um, across the two games, uh, the last two, even the three games, England probably got the rub of the first game. Um, but we, we never really got to see the boys scrummage. A lot of quick short arms and a lot of quick long arms um, and a lot of collapsed scrums, but the ball just rolled to the back. So I felt like we never got to see that dog fight. Um, I loved it. I loved um, Genge. Everything he said, you know, how fired up he was against Tupo. He showed all of his class. And um, dynamic and, around the field. Yeah, too. I thought he was excellent. And I thought, you know, Tupo showed all the things why Tupo is sensational um, and still has a little bit to learn. And I really enjoyed that upfront scrummage battle. I feel like we didn't get to see it play out. He's another um, one to that point that I made earlier. Fucking amazing talent, but just has that error in him. Yeah, whether it's a penalty or a drop ball or yeah. a dumb pass or something. Or, or he'll just like a high tackle that just need to occur, mate. Um, but just, I, a, just quickly on your Maul defence, mate, too many reds in the team. <laughs> too many reds in the team this week. That's why that. <laughs> there you go. Uh, I, I thought the reason our forwards, where I would say our forwards lost it and where I was sort of making the point that England beat them up a bit was just those hit-ups. Um, and those tackles, like those metres in contact, um, I felt like England won most of the collisions. Um, that could be purely anecdotal, but I feel like um, our set-piece wasn't too far off it, but I feel like we didn't dominate at set-piece by any stretch of the imagination. Maybe England was slightly ahead, but I think England dominated the collision. Um, so I think Valentini wasn't good enough. Uh, we saw Hooper got bullied. You don't see that happen very often. Um, Philip was sensational at set piece, but I just didn't see him around the park. Um, I thought Frost was was excellent, but he looked every bit of 21-year-old. He just needs a bit more physicality to get there. Um, so I don't know. That, that would be my observation where we lost it up front, which is part of, to stick to my metaphor I went for before loading the gun, that they've got to set the platform and they weren't far off it. That's why none uh, of these know. games weren't a spanking, but they weren't up to it, were they? What do you reckon, Rich? Yeah, I, I actually want to go a bit further. I don't I don't think they were up to it. I think the the poke a game is won and lost for me around yes, the breakdown. Um, but how quick uh, how quick uh, ball you get is based on how many post-contact meters you get. And both forwards and backs didn't do that, didn't get hardly any at all. Um, England won the contact, pushed them back, and then that allowed them to compete at the breakdown a lot more effectively than what Australia could because they were just trying to um, obviously you know, look after the ball. Uh, but I think the, the forwards ran too didactic. They ran too straight. There wasn't enough footwork. There wasn't enough, um, a little bit of... Um, uh, magic, not that I'm saying magic should be happening from forwards, but there wasn't any form of deception at all, uh, which didn't help them. Um, it was very didactic. And I think um, I was thinking result- that too. I was sitting there half cut watching the game going, mate, this is way too didactic. I tell you what, I was eight deep and didactic was the word that came to mind for me too. <laughs> um, but I think that we, we need to realise that from both teams, that, that you know, that forward pack, it's, it's neither their, 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 their first choice. So maybe it's something that, you know, us, both teams are going to learn from and both teams are going to grow. And that's the only way that they're going to get closer to Ireland because they're both a long way away from it at the moment because England okay. can do uh, can do rush defence, can win a contact battle, but can they do something else, you know? And when the moving when forward. players come back. Yeah. Can you move forward with me here? Um, look, Valentini, a little bit of a regression, coming off an injury. Look, there's an excuse. There's a reason. Hooper. Outstanding work rate game one. Game two and three wasn't the man I knew. 
I don't know if you'd agree or disagree, but on the other side, and I've been loving the Australia A inclusion of this. Like for the first time, um, the, Australia A are very much so worth tuning into. It's been an excellent contest that they've been doing no over the past three weeks as well. Yeah, and what a fluid game. But the, the narrative that's come out of that team is obviously Fraser McRite. Am I McRite? Or, or McCrate, if you were listening to the commentary. But uh, you were McRite, Jim. You were spot on. Yeah, yeah. Fraser McRite was playing McGrate. It was <laughs> He's got some form going down. At what point, um, and it will be a decision that impacts the squad immensely, right? Like this is not something you can tilly-tally around with. Do you think Dave Rennie has the balls, even as an experimental, how does he go on this platform to pick him over Hooper? Not in a big yeah, in the next a great, two It's years. a great question. I've seen other rugby podcasts just today raise this exact issue. Um, it, it's because the problem is the way the modern rugby union bench is, you basically can't cover, put Mick Wright on the bench. You are not going to have an open side on your bench. You have to cover your six and eight because it's two v one, and they're bigger human beings. They're going to get more tired. Um, you, ha- he, if he's not starting, he doesn't play. And at what point do you blood him? Um, and if you look in that Australian A series, he's a one man team. Um, he's he's just fucking brilliant. He's been brilliant for the Reds. Um, you blood him a against great question. You blood him against Argentina. That's but that's we what didn't win any of these games. I, I'm, I'm, like that's, you can't that's afford who, to blood anything now, can you? I think you have to. I think otherwise you're never going to get an opportunity to do that, and then you're always left thinking, aren't you? What if? Whereas at least you're going to get your get your answer. And even if you play, or, or are you saying? Sorry, Jim. To, no. to, sorry, Richard. To interrupt, but are you saying, Jim, drop Hooper? Like, don't even do it. It's a rotation thing. We're giving him experience. I, don't I, hide behind that and do it. Yeah, drop my captain. He wasn't up to it. I think Hooper's up to it. I'm doing. I, I think Hooper's up to it. I don't think oh Dave Rennie's got the cojones to do it um, next year. I think Hooper has to be the long-term player moving forward. But my God, man, you got to ask the question. You know, make him of maybe a full-time member of the squad. Take him to Argentina with us. Have him there at training, going one-on-one. But the man deserves a break. The man deserves some game time, whether it's off the bench or not. I mean. Even though you're right in the point you've made, I would probably still risk it and put him on the bench for one of the games because you need to know. You need to know how he's going to go. Uh, but Pete Simon is not far off our best player. Look, it's it's an interesting yeah, one. It's another one. Um, other ones for this game, it's great to see Vinavalu get his test debut. Um, I, can't, I don't know. What that was a joke. Is, that was a joke. Sorry. Uh, that was but a joke. you know what? That was. But not that uncommon. Was, no, it was, it was a poorly balanced bench. Which meant if Lolisio went down, Hodge went to ten because no one else could play there. So he had no option but to leave Hodge and Lolisio on the field because you couldn't risk substituting them, um, and you were not substituting Wright and Corabetti. They were better, only two decent players. So they were like by picking a, such a poorly balanced side, they basically screwed themselves up to not get him on the park. Um, but it's, it's it was a joke. I agree, Richard. What a waste. Mm. The Ferraris in the garage, man, get it out. Oh, completely. You've got to be disappointed if you're him as well. Mm. Yeah. 
And, and that's the thing. Where is it? Where is it moving forward for him, though? You know, does he fit in that in that Wallaby team moving forward in the Rugby Championship? Where, where does he go? Does he get his position in that team? Because I agree, him putting him on the bench without a James O'Connor is is pointless. Like uh, is is redundant. So it'd be interesting to see whether he actually gets a start or not. We paid him all this money. Um, well, you guys, Tom Wright fullback. Tom Wright fullback. Move Unavalo to the wing and see how that goes. I, yeah, I, like I that. think the only the only way is it's either Wright or Kellaway. Um, you either go right, Callaway, Corabini, right? And you go sort of two footballers and one athlete, um, or you go the, the makeup, Corabini, Vernavalu, and either Callaway or right at fullback. Um, I reckon that's the play. But I guess the one of the questions I've sent, and I know you, you think we need a second playmaker, Richard. I don't think we do if we have Quade Cooper. I do think we do if we have Lola Seo. But the question is, with Karevi at 12, who's not an out-and-out playmaker by any stretch of the imagination, does your 15 need to be a second five? You know, a James O'Connor or, a, you know, Bernard Foley back in the day, a Kurtley Beal, you know, right, you know, he'd have to do a lot of retraining back to his Joey's days. But does, does your 15 have to be a second playmaker if you've got Karevi and Ikatao or Karevi and Paisami? Any thoughts? Yes, for me, it's a yes. I, I think uh, their primary job is to take the high ball and be secure defensively. But I think a 15 needs to be this, and particularly for the Wallabies, needs to be a second playmaker. Karevi is developing his game and Corabete is, is, you know, passing is and, and playmaking is getting better. But you need someone to take the pressure off the 10, even if it's Quay Cooper. You know, split the field so you've got options either way. I just feel like it... Uh, it would make the structures and the uh, a lot better, and you'd obviously be able to organise your team more effectively. So for me, I think the fifteen needs to be a second playmaker for that Wallaby team. Um, all right, boys. Well, we should touch on this bloody English, and then we've got lots of um, cracking questions on Twitter. Lots of uh, amazing rugby news that have come out this week, um, and it would be remiss of us not to talk about that incredible Island series. Uh, but any final thoughts um, on England? I guess my thoughts were they'd be bloody happy with themselves. Um, this was a very undermanned England that they sent down here. Um, they, they were missing a lot of players. Good players got injured whilst they were down here. Um, they sort of bought Dad's army in some of the positions. Um, I don't think too many players played sensational. Genj would be someone I would point to that did. Um, I thought Vinopolo at eight was was dominant against the Wallabies. I thought Hill was prick of all time. Um, but they've got to be happy with this result, don't they? Um, uh, Eddie keeps his job. The boys march on. I think it's a, it's a huge result. Um, it's such a, a young bunch of boys. I think it was, to use Eddie's, Eddie's phraseology, I think there was six or seven players that had less than 10 caps on the field at the end of it. Yeah. <coughs> um, we're building, you know, hopefully a winning culture. There's that word again. Um, I think players, the old guard, continue to show up. Courtney Laws is one of the best performances I've seen in play um, at six for a while. Um, yeah, it was disappointing to not have Don Brandt and Simmons, but Vunapala coming back in did a decent job. Um, so I think for, for England doing so poorly in the Six Nations, we obviously talked about this, thinking that they would they would probably lose, uh, but they would be. It's hugely, hugely important um, this result, and it allows them to build and move forward because this squad will, will get stronger. And I really like the emergence of the Leicester scrum half, uh, um, uh, 
uh, Jack uh, Van Portfleet. I thought he had a good game when he came on. Um, obviously, in the last few games and, and the back row um, is obviously getting stronger with depth. So there's a lot of positives. Still, they're a long way off, obviously, France, Ireland, New Zealand, etc. But um, we were going backwards. And I'm hoping that this is the, uh, the result of that is not going backwards anymore, but going to move forward now. Look, they didn't play champagne rugby, no, but they, they just didn't make many errors. They don't have the... You talk, about, you talk about Ireland. They play champagne rugby because they've got the same players that play in there. Hen, you know, Henson, Ring Rose, et cetera. Et cetera. Continuity. Continuity. Yeah. England and Australia don't have that. You know, combinations and cohesion all comes from playing together regularly. You know, we had, like, in the last year, you've had Henry Slade playing there. We've had Owen Farrell playing there. You've had, you know, so many players that it was never going to be that. that uh, so we had to take this tactic, really. Then you wish someone of Cooper's calibre and consistency if we only had a player like that at 10 and he stayed in Australia just how much better that would be for the the team moving forward just over time getting better staying better same morale same things same that I wonder if that's a position where a leader like that like a sexton um and the Kiwi spoilt for 10s I know they're going through a bit now but um, you build the team around them yeah, it's the position to build a team around. Yeah. Because England, same same case, they don't really have that at the moment either. I think they're, they're going home having not answered a lot of questions they probably have. Yeah, they've won the series, but I think they're still confused about what to do with this team moving forward. Yeah, but I think the assignment, given the squad, was just to win. And I think what breaks my heart for Australia is... Um, why can't we do that, right? So you said England didn't have on the park what was needed to play champagne rugby. They didn't have the players. They didn't have the continuity. They didn't have the athletes. We said last week they didn't have the centre. You know, they, they didn't have it, so they knew they couldn't play that rugby and they just needed to, to play error-free. I guess that my, the absolute frustration from a rugby fan is why don't we know that? And when was the last time we knew that, that sometimes you just need to play error-free rugby? Why do we look like everyone is just hopped up on caffeine and freaking out all the time? Um, and absolutely does everyone come on a, What is everyone, that sense of urgency? Because everyone I've got come a theory. on a rugby podcast and say that, oh, we're playing shit rugby. We want to, why, you know, I'd rather lose the game, but apparently score more tries than the other teams that I want to kick goals all the time. That's, that's yeah, there, there is culture. something. There is there is something ingrained in that culture, isn't there? Yeah, I, you'd rather lose playing good rugby than win playing shit rugby. Mate, and that's the rhetoric that Checker was spitting, right? We want to play a brand of rugby we're proud of, and that the fans can enjoy. The amount of times that came out of his mouth is huge. So, but we're in two competitions when we play, particularly at a very very popular prime time time slot where the stadiums are sold out. Yeah, we're trying to beat the team on the field, but we're also trying to um, play the competition of pleasing fans and and proving to the media and the public that it's a good sport worth investing in and worth playing, trying to prove to the kids at school that this is a great game, a great sport, one to tune in for, one to pay your Foxtel subscription for, Stan. one to get the, the Stan add-on. <laughs> oh, yeah, it's not on Foxtel anymore. <laughs> you know um, I'm a victim of that duality, though. I'm a victim of that duality, like I absolutely am, but I think our delusion is that you forgive everything if you're winning. Yeah, yeah. the answer win. is win, mate. Just win. Yeah. Win 6-3. But even if that's the case, which this is why I've gone off it, mate, we didn't play a brand of rugby you should be proud of, mate. It was one-ups and people going, shit, should I just hit this up? 
There's a lot of one-up shit, wasn't it? The whole thing, the whole attack was the fourth tackle in league where you settle. You settle to set yourself up for the fifth. Every run was the fourth tackle. Fourth tackle, I don't mind that. Um, should we should we jump over? Um, I guess final thoughts on the series. Fucking disgusting. Disgraceful. <laughs> Not good enough. I've been putting on this shit for a decade. <laughs> I'm sick of it. And why those pommy pricks? Anyone else I would have taken it. Well done, England. You beat us fair and square. Yeah, just to sort of reiterate my final great well done, England. Ask, man, pull your socks up. That was just, it was just, it was shocking. To show up week in and week out as a fan was tough. Mate, it was tough. You know, I, I I I felt these sentiments, and I may have had a few beverages on the old um, the old Saturday evening. So I sent out a tweet, uh, which has obviously hit a nerve in the rugby community because three hundred and eighty people have liked it. I'll take that as a nerve. Um, tweet Is that was when fuck you were it's hard to be a Wallaby prick? fan. Might have been. Uh, fuck it's hard to be a Wallaby fan. We've been shit for a long time. Yet every year I'll drink the Kool-Aid and keep turning up. I'll always be here, but it's tough. Uh, and it's obviously hit a nerve with rugby fans. But I guess uh, what shocked me, um, and I just think is bloody awesome, is Taniela Tupo, who's just joined Twitter, uh, replied to it. Um, and, and the big Taniela Tupo said, I promise we'll be better. God, did I feel like a dickhead. <laughs> I thought you might. Actual <laughs> human beings who... Bleed dad, for mate. that jersey, a dad. And, and I'm sending some dicky half-cut tweet. Um, I still agree with my sentiment, uh, and I just want to say what an absolute legend interacting with the fan base, um, being honest, putting his heart on his sleeve, um, and it is really nice to know that they're hurting too uh, mm. and they want to do better. Yeah. Um, and I think you all pull your socks up. I think that's exactly how they feel. Um, I think Michael's Hooper's face said that at the press conference. Yeah. But just pull him the fuck up. It's good that um, Taniella, though, haven't read that tweet. He didn't go the Eddie route, you know? Could have gone the Eddie route. He could have gone the Eddie route. It was good to see him not go the <laughs> What did you guys route. think about the Eddie route? I thought it was crazy. I couldn't understand it. He's just won the series. Why is he so angry? You should yeah. be elated. And the dude who even did it, like, come on, man. He must have copped so much worse. It was two nerds going, here he comes, do it now. You, sir, are a traitor. That was it. It wasn't, fuck you. It was none of that. And he just lost it. Be interesting. What did you think, Ravish? Yeah, I, he, he got very uh, sensitive over it, but I want to make sure, make the point that you cannot be shouting that abuse out. Be interested to see what the player, that sorry, the fan said beforehand, because the security guy looking at that video came over and said, I've already spoken to you, mate. So I wonder if that was the the straw that broke yeah. the cap was back and whether there actually was a, a tirade of of abuse that that uh, preempted that last traitor comment. Um, and in regards to it, I kind of like the fact that Eddie chirped back as well, because if a fan can have a chirp, then surely the coach could have a chirp back as well, no? isn't it? All, all wasn't a chirp, though. wasn't a chirp, man. Just <laughs> trying to fight. It was, oh, that was like, shit, is everything all right, man? <laughs> Are you all right? What's going on, Eddie? Um, I thought, honestly, um, that fan, like, you know, All's fair in love and war. You're at the game. You pay. Not war, man. Carry on. Just a game of rugby. But exactly, it's there's no place for that, right? And I think you know the commentary we do when we take the piss and get a bit silly. You're never going to say it, and it made me feel terrible when Tanela Tupo replied to that. These people are athletes who give their life and their body 
and their time and their efforts for this game. It's 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 out of line to say things to them and to not be respectful, especially at the end. The of The hypocrisy year. of it so all fan, too. That fan can get fucked. Uh, in terms of Eddie's reaction, whoa, what's doing there? But I loved it. I love it. I love Eddie. This series has just confirmed uh, what a character Eddie Jones is. And and I, my honest view as to why that um, comment stung so much is one, he is a traitor, let's be honest. He was a wallaby coach. Um, so it probably hurts a little. I think there'd, there'd be few people on earth that care more about rugby union than Eddie Jones, um, Australian rugby union. Uh, and so I think... Every time he comes here, he goes out of his way to drum up media support. He goes out of his way to make sure the game is in the front page of the paper. Um, Eddie Jones is important to Australian rugby, and and we should cherish him. Um, he isn't a trader. He cares about Australian rugby. Mate, so, it was Randwick week. It was Eddie week at Randwick. He loves it, mate. I love Eddie. I'm all for it. Um, so many things to talk about, but it's already been a fairly long one. Uh, but just really quickly, the New Zealand Island series. Yeah, sucked in. Richard, any thoughts on that one? Uh, look, I think it's fantastic. I think this is a climax of Ireland over the past few years, and, and kudos to uh, to Andy Farrell. Um, obviously, taking over from uh, Smith beforehand, it was a, it was a huge task, uh, but he's actually moved the needle. He's moved them forward. I kept a lot of the structures still the same. Um, but, you know, fantastic for Ireland to actually win over there. So we've said this before. It's one thing to have the skill to be able to do it, but it's a, it's a big mental thing to come down to New Zealand and, and actually to win here. Not many not many teams have done it. Obviously, England won one-off games, but never a series. Um, so, yeah, fantastic. And I just hope that Ireland build on it and it's not just a flash in the pan like we've seen before, really, um, because obviously we need strength in the north um, to be able to make the, the, the game a, a truly world game and not just a, a divide between it. Be interested also to see how New Zealand reacts. Um, obviously, it's just one series, but it seems like the world has come to an end. Like uh, there's a lot of talk about Ian Foster being sacked or people moving over after the result of one series. Welcome to the rest of the world, everybody. Um so it'll be interesting to see how, how things move forward for them. But um, huge congratulations to Ireland. So well done. Yeah, I, I guess I would say a great congratulations, Ireland. Whatever way you cut it, they were just dominant. They were a very, very impressive rugby side. And I think um, credit to Farrell because I genuinely mean it. Lowe, Gibson Park, Hanson, Vanderfleer. You're talking about guys that didn't quite make that echelon. Um moved over there and they've turned this machine. Um, it's remarkable how much they're getting out of these players. Um, I just think that's so impressive. Even someone like Aki, uh, Bundy Aki, who looked, you know, maybe past it, playing off the bench, was key, vital to their win. Um, Ty Byrne is he's got to be up there in the conversation with best players in the world right now. Um, Furlong, Sexton, sensational. So, so well done, Ireland. Uh, fair play to you. I think New Zealand... They do have a lot of problems. Um, and it looks to me about three years of arrogantly chopping and changing and moving things around. And we used to say this years ago on the podcast that I don't think New Zealand know who their best side is. I don't think New Zealand know who their best side is. Um, and I think now they really don't have a front row that's up to it. I really don't think they have a front row that's up to it. If you were just ranking world rugby front rows, I don't think New Zealand are anywhere near the, the money whatsoever. Um, I think that's a problem. I think their second row is still sensational, but they're fucking old, man. They're on Zimmer frames. Um, I don't know how long they've got left in them. Back row, 
obviously sensational, but that article came out that, you know, you look at the sixes and eights that they're playing, they're not giant men anymore. Savi is a big seven. He's not a big eight. Um, they Have they lost that physicality in those sixes and eight channels? Uh, and Sam Kane at seven, this is what the Kiwis are saying. I don't know if he's up to it either. Um, you know, it's a, it's a crazy day at the office when Gibson Park dominates Aaron Smith. But a lot of other players make that equation a possibility. And then the centres, they haven't got a fucking clue who what their centre combination is. They no, don't know who that. their fly half is. They don't know who their fly half is. And I don't think they know what their back three is, what the makeup is. It, it is a bit of a mess. Um, and I think Ian Foster has a bit to answer for there. Um, and I, I don't know if him and Sam Kane, short of winning every game for the rest of this Southern Hemisphere series, I don't know if they're here at the end of it because um, because they're going to want blood. And sadly, we're probably going to be on the receiving end of that. Oh, we're um, going to get shalong. Sh- sh- <laughs> but, it, but it's a mess. But I don't want to make it about New Zealand because it really is about Ireland's success. And they, they did something special. Um, the only point I would quickly make um, – Oh, fuck it. I won't even make it. I won't even get negative. I'll push on. Jim? Sounds good. Yep. they got a lot of work to figure it out, but they're going to uh, they're going to barnstorm us. They're going to barnstorm Argentina. South Africa might give them a run for their money, but I just think the public in New Zealand are aware that we're not a measuring stick at, at this moment. They still suck, that sort of thing, well, unless it's 50 be, nil. Can I give you just that one question on this? Yeah, game? go quick. Go quick. i got to go. Is Super Rugby... The fact that it's Australia versus New Zealand, is it making us regress in terms of collision, size, the front eight? You know, and New Zealand victims of playing us without having the bockies in it. Is there any truth to that or is it too short a timeline? I've seen that theory popping around. What do you think, boys? Sample size too small. I agree. Rich? Yeah, I agree. Sample size too small. Uh, all right. Well, in the interest of time, I did ask some questions, so I'm doing these rapid fire, boys. Oh. I asked you some questions on Twitter. All right, I've got time for two. Let's go. Rapid fire. Ready? Uh, all right. First one we sort of hit. Uh, Excellent question so far. Doing great. I'm getting job. there. I'm getting there. I'm getting love there. this. Love um, the rapid fire approach. Well, yeah, I'm this is very stuff. quick. This yeah. is very. Uh, Jim, quick. was that you pissing on the roof of the SCG? No. All right. Of course not. You. Um. Well, we answered that, we answered that, we answered that. Uh, would Quade Cooper have made a difference in this series? A small one. Next. Richard? A, a, very, a small one. Next. Most improved Australian side? Australian in side. In the Australian side. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Australia <That's>, A. <laughs> I'm going to go Tom Wright. I think he was absolutely sensational. Caden uh, Neville. Hmm. I went down like a lead balloon. Oh, no, I don't disagree. Just a small sample size. And yeah, improved from what? Never played before. Exactly. Exactly. Jim, most improved? Most improved, Jim? Well, here I am just trying to pick one that you guys didn't pick, so I'm going to go... My God. Fuck it, Al. Angus Bell. Uh, Oh, yeah, good shout. Uh, Next one. Yeah, sorry. No, I was gonna. I was thinking of Angus Bell. Then I was rapid thinking, fire, Richard. All right, fine. No, I disagree. Move on. Next. <laughs> I think Bell was sensational around the park. We looked twenty-one. Um, all right. Next question. Best rookie Australian side. Same answer as before. Same answer. Caden Neville for Richard. Jim Swain. He's not uh, a rookie, not man. Not really a rookie, though. 
Come on, Jim, answer the question, man. <laughs> Rapid fire, mate. If you get it wrong, you get it wrong. Um, I'm on Parecki, but um, I think he was super consistent. We needed that up front. But he's we didn't ask you to qualify, mate. World class. No, nah, just rapid fire, man. Uh, when do we talk about Dave Rennie being done? 39% worst winning percentage of a Wallaby coach ever. After oh, yeah. the World Cup, next. Fucking people love him. How long till they turn on him? How long till people turn on him is my next question. The end of the rugby championship when you go uh, winless. Fuck. Big call. Uh, why do we still make basic errors? We kind of answered that. We're not enough. Uh... Uh, interesting question here. This one from James Raxworthy. <laughs> if we abandon New Zealand uh, and just an Australian domestic comp, will this strengthen or weaken our national team? Uh, weaken. weaken. Yeah, move on. And our product, and the and look, we've seen the product is the international Quick fire, game. Jim. Quick so fire, it's, Jim. it's all bad. It's all bad uh, news from here. How good's Hill's haircut? Terrible. I actually don't mind it. <laughs> um Look, that'll do, boys. I'm happy. I'm happy with some of those questions. Who? Uh, what's the Senate combination when Krevy goes plays rugby sevens? Paisami and our mate Ikatau. Yeah, I agree. I like yeah. that. With quite at ten. I don't mind this like little five rapid fire at the end to get it. I'll going. keep fucking throwing some more questions. Out no, 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 no. We're done. We're all out of questions. Lovely to chat to you, boys. Yeah. All right. Thanks, guys. Richard, enjoy it, mate. Thanks, mate.